Well, praise the Lord and welcome to our Friday morning cross time with Pastor Curtis session. Uh, we are in the book of 1 Timothy and this is our seventh session here on the 14th day of February 2020. Glad to be here on this sunshiny Friday morning. Uh, had enough rain for a while, but it'll be coming back here this next week pretty quick. Uh, but we're thankful for the sunny days we have. If you live anywhere near Queen City or Atlanta, Texarkana, anywhere around this area, this region, we'd love to have you on Friday mornings. If you want to learn God's Word as it is truth in its righteous context, which means as we open God's Word, we discuss uh, the Gospel. And one of the most profound things we've learned so far in this uh, first chapter of 1 Timothy is that the law, Paul says, wasn't uh, just for whoremongers and perjurers and manslayers, but he says the law is also for everything that's contrary to sound doctrine, which is according to the glorious gospel of our blessed God. That's in verses 10 and 11 of this first chapter of 1 Timothy. So, I mean, we're learning things uh, and you always will if you keep your faith in the sacrifice of Christ because that's the only learning avenue through which the Lord gives more grace. And more grace comes by a continual faith in the death of Jesus and an enlightenment of God's Word in that context. So again, the law uh, is not just for murderers, manslayers, liars, all those things. It says here in the first chapter of 1 Timothy that the law is not for a righteous man, but it's for anything that's contrary to sound doctrine according to the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ. Now that is quite an illumination that you will run into and just have to stop and say, wow. So, so the law, and that what that's telling us is that uh, in years past when we were trusting and putting our faith in the purpose driven, the government of 12, uh, uh, the, the 21 day this, the 40 day that, and we were really trusting in God to do something in these plans of men instead of simple faith in the cross, that we were really living as though we were back under the law. And under the law is nothing but a curse. Under the law, grace is not under law. Because grace is separate from law. God gives grace to get us away from the law. Uh, so we don't live based on what we do any longer, but based on what Christ Jesus has done for us at Calvary. That's good news. It brings all the things into your life that you need. And again, we're here this Friday morning. 1 Timothy chapter 1, session 7, and uh, you can find all these teachings on the YouTube channel, Curtis Hutchinson 316, and you can also watch uh, live uh, on the YouTube channel or uh, my Pastor Curtis Facebook page, and everything is also uploaded to the website, which is thecrosswaychurch.com. And again, we're also teaching the book of Romans right now, every Monday and Thursday morning at 8.30 a.m. Central Time, uh, live uh, and uh, on the Pastor Curtis Facebook page and the YouTube channel, Curtis Hutchinson 316. So I pray that uh, you would be encouraged and you would uh, find us on the internet, not only that, but when you recognize that we're not just another fly-by-night church, we're not just another preacher saying that we need to get out of sin, we need to get back to the truth, but this is a ministry revealing by the power of the Holy Spirit through the preaching of the cross what truth really is, who truth really is, because truth is a who and a what. Who Jesus is and what Jesus did. Without that second part at Calvary, It'll just be another Jesus we're, being, uh, we're following by another spirit. So we need to be careful. So I pray for your support prayerfully, financially. You can help us uh, on the website, thecrosswaychurch.com, or you can text your giving to 903-231-5950. And we praise God for those of you who are, who realize that your support for the gospel not just some church and a pre the gospel is what God will pour into your life through, and I praise God for that. So 1 Timothy chapter 1, uh, let's just uh, start in verse 13 where Paul is reminding Timothy and the folks in Ephesus where this letter uh, was sent 
that he was before a blasphemer and a persecutor and injurious. But I obtained mercy. Why? How did I obtain mercy? Because I did it ignorantly in unbelief. And we talked about that last week, that there is a difference between being in unbelief through ignorance and unbelief through rebellion. An, uh, an, an unbelief through ignorance, there is a difference than that in being in unbelief uh, through a rejection, now ignoring what you've been offered is truth. There's a difference. And God treats uh, those two different avenues differently. Not that those who never hear won't go to hell because they would have never received it anyway, but, but there is a difference between the way God deals with people who are in unbelief due to I don't know rather than in unbelief and I don't want to know or I've heard and I'm choosing to ignore that. There is a difference. And no matter what you were before, I said no matter what you were before, no matter how many babies you aborted, no matter how many people you might have molested, and or whatever the most vilest sin you might could imagine is, God sent His Son to die for you because He loves you in spite of you and gave His Son for you so that you could be forgiven and delivered, chains broken off of your life, and serve God every day of your life without fear or condemnation or guilt or shame all the days of your life in righteousness and holiness. Luke chapter 1 verse 74 and 75. Praise God. And it's good to know that no matter what we were, God can save. God desires to save and to heal and to bring us into His marvelous plan of grace and mercy. And so uh, Paul goes on to say in verse 14, which is where we really are going to begin today, that was just doing what I like to do, back up and scratch the ground and, and get, get some traction and move on into where we are now. And he says, And the grace of our Lord was exceeding abundant. The grace of Jesus Christ exceeds, <laughs> exceeds abundance. It's more than abundance. God's grace, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, exceeds abundance. That's why when he told the Apostle Paul that when Paul is begging for the removal of the thorn in his flesh, the messenger of Satan from attacking and hindering, trying to hinder him, God remove it, God remove it, oh God remove it. And God would say, my grace is sufficient for you. And he tells him what that is and how that works. My strength is made perfect in your weakness. God is not trying to, he's not looking for the strong, he's looking for the weak. Because his son, the Bible says, was crucified through weakness. Through weakness, Jesus was crucified. Why? How, why? It had to be through weakness because only in weakness can God's grace be exceeding abundant to bring you through for the plan of God, the will of God for your life. And Jesus, by the way, never forget this. Write this down. Don't let it fly by. This needs to be one of those paramount, mountaintop, big billboard pictures in your studies that Jesus, by the grace of God, tasted death for all men. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 9. There is no other avenue for any grace from God except that one avenue. There's not a different avenue for, uh, of grace for me to go preach, me to go do this or do that, to be a daddy, a husband, a, a, a whatever God's called me to be. There is no other avenue of grace into my life than the death of Jesus. Jesus, by the, the grace of God, tasted death for me, Hebrews 2.9, and for all men. <clears throat> now think about that. And when I move my faith from the very death of Jesus to some book I'm highlighting and saying, now I've got to do these things if I want God to bring deliverance to me, if I want God to uh, <clears throat> deliver me from this, or, or if I'm trying to live for God and, and have any fruits of righteousness, those fruits of righteousness only take place by the grace of God. Paul would say in Galatians 2 and 21, I do not frustrate 
the grace of God. And the word frustrate means not irritate and, and, and cause a little hindrance. The word frustrate there means to deny or to reject. I do not reject or deny the grace of God, Paul says. Because if, if righteousness come by the law, then Christ is dead in vain. And when we read that, we think of only initial salvation and the status and the declaration we've been given by God as righteous. Second <clears throat> Corinthians 5 and 21 says, He that knew no sin became our sin offering that we might be declared, that we might be made the righteousness of God in Him. In Him. Don't forget, it's in Him. That means faith in the cross. So Paul is saying... Uh, I, I, I'm not going to deny or reject the place where grace comes to me from. Because I need righteous, I need more than to be declared righteous and, and made a servant of righteousness. Now, as a child of God, I need to walk in a manner where I'm being filled with the fruits of His righteousness and the manifestation of my fruit is the fruit of righteousness. There is no difference between the fruit of the Spirit and the fruits of righteousness. If it is the fruit of the Spirit, it is the fruits of righteousness. And Paul says the only avenue through which righteousness comes, whether it's my initial status given to me by God in Christ, or it's me giving the, a position, Romans 6, 17, and 18, of being a servant now of righteousness, or whether it's me living for God through faith in the cross and bringing forth the fruits of His righteousness, it all has to happen by grace. And grace only comes through one channel. The church and preachers need to know this. Grace doesn't come to me because I go do something. Grace comes to me when I trust in the work of Christ and what He did for me at Calvary. Then the Holy Spirit can show me the path that I'm called to walk in according to the scriptures. He only leads in the path of righteousness. And righteousness is only revealed to those who hear truth. Proverbs 12, 17. He that speaks truth shows forth righteousness. Truth is a man named Jesus. And what he did at Calvary, the only avenue of that righteousness, the only avenue of that grace. So we need not forget these things. That God does not give me grace to go do. He gives me grace when I believe. Then the Holy Spirit shows me what to go do. And I have grace. That's why Paul in the midst of the, the thorn in his flesh crying out to God. When God told him my grace is sufficient. Because I'll make my strength perfect in your weakness. Then the apostle Paul said hey then. Alright then. Then I'll just glory right now in my weakness. In my infirmity. So that the power of Christ may rest upon me. May stay upon me. Think about that. So you can't separate the power of Christ. From God's strength being made perfect in your weakness. Which is the grace of God. You can't separate those things. You can't separate those. Those aren't three different separate things. The power of Christ resting on us is the grace of God being received by us through our faith in the cross of Jesus Christ. And that is grace. And here Paul says, and the grace of our Lord was exceeding. Okay, I've got an abundance of grace. Paul comes along. And with the authority God has given him, we'll talk about that in a minute, he says, under the anointing of the Holy Spirit, he's speaking on God's behalf. Paul the Apostle says, God's got an exceeding, a, a, a grace that exceeds abundance. Oh, we've got an abundance of grace, we think. God's got, uh, 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 so, he's got grace that exceeds abundance. 
And that ought to convict our hearts this morning. That ought to uh, cause us to cry to God. I, I see that you, you have an exceeding abundant amount of grace. Therefore, I know there's got to be more. And Lord, I'm weak. I'm admitting it. I can't do the things. I can't do anything without you. But I can trust in what you did for me at Calvary. And the, and the man, the river of grace will flow into my life and I'll experience uh, the Christian's walk on the path of righteousness bearing forth his fruits of righteousness praise God that's good news that's great news that I'm not working for salvation I'm working because I'm already saved I'm not going and working to do to be righteous I'm, I'm walking in the works I'm ordained to walk in Ephesians 2:10 because God's already made me a righteous child. I'm not working to be righteous. I'm working because I am righteous in Christ Jesus. And, uh, you know, you got preachers all over the place today shouting and waving <clears throat> their Bibles. And, and these denominational, a lot of them, a lot of folks, it's not denominational, waving their Bibles saying we need, to, we need to call sin, sin, and get back to the truth and all this stuff. And the congregation's just going wild and shouting. And, but, but they're never told about truth. They're never told. They, they not, the cross is not being preached. And if the cross is not being preached when my feet stand in a pulpit, then I've left that attitude and that drawing of the Spirit that says, Woe is me unless I preach the gospel. Hallelujah. And all I'm doing is adding the links to the chains that hold the people of God in bondage if I don't open God's word and point them to the bondage-breaking message of the cross. Hallelujah. And let me say something about the authority of Paul and the apostles. Because uh, a couple of years ago, a guy, a preacher, told me about another preacher that lives about 20-something miles from here in another church and told me that uh, they think that they're, they have more wisdom today and that, they, that this preacher even took some of the book of Romans out of his Bible because we know more than Paul did today. That is the equivalent to taking parts of the Old Testament out of your Bible because the, Old, the, the New Testament apostles are like the Old Testament prophets. The apostles were called, although, uh, you know, in the Old Testament, prophets spoke what God told them to speak, and it was the authority of God's Word, and it was written. And it was God speaking to men, and, and it was written, and, and it's what we call the Bible, the Word of God. In the New Covenant, it's God, Jesus Christ commissioned apostles. Not that there's not prophets, but if you read the New Testament, you'll see that it was the apostles that were called and sent and spoken to and allowed to live with Christ or to see Christ, even the Apostle Paul seeing Christ on his road to Damascus and were called and sent with the word of God. Outside of the apostles, there is no one who can come along and take out scripture or add to scripture because they are not the apostles that walked with Jesus, that saw Jesus. The apostles in the new covenant are equivalent to the prophets of the old. They have authority. For me to come along and say, well, Paul didn't quite know, that's like saying the prophets didn't quite know. He didn't really hear from God, then you're, man, you're going to miss out. Even if you uh, keep your salvation to the end, you're going to miss out on some tremendous things because Paul was called of Christ and given what he had by Christ to the point where he spoke such a, with such authority, he said, all men will be judged according to my gospel. And if anybody comes and preaches anything to you, even an angel from heaven, other than what I preach to you, let them be accursed. Now that's authority right there. And it was the authority that Christ gave him. Not that he just puffed himself up with. So when we read the things that Paul wrote, you're reading scripture. Peter even said that about Paul, that uh, some of the things Paul wrote uh, are hard to understand and the people are twisting them, Peter says, like they do the other scriptures for their own destruction. So the New Testament writers, it's just as much authoritative as the Old Testament 
uh, even though we still need the Old Testament because what used to be type and shadow now becomes light to us in the person and the work of Jesus Christ. But I needed to say that about the, the, the New Testament writers because they spoke on God's behalf. I'll give you something else to think about this morning while it's passing through my mind when we're talking about the authority of Paul and Peter and John and those who were apostles of Christ. Many times uh, we don't really understand, and this is just a, th a thought that I'll throw at you this morning. Why, why aren't people, why aren't God's people who are lying to the Holy Spirit today falling dead? You ever, you ever wonder that? Ananias and Sapphira, they sold some land and they come in and, and told Peter and the apostles they sold it for this amount like they were given all they had to look spiritual, but they really were holding back. And Peter says, why did you lie to the Holy Spirit like that? I mean, it was all yours to keep. You didn't even have to give any, but you came in here telling the, the Lord that you gave it all and you're lying to the Lord. And he fell dead. Well, people do that all the time today. Why aren't they falling dead today? Now, I this is just a, a thought which probably is true. They were lying to some to the Holy Spirit, the Bible says, but who were they lying to face to face? Those apostles who were here given the word, walked with Christ, called sort of like the prophets of old. That authority was there. Now I'm not just saying that's the way it is. I'm putting that on the table for a thought. Okay? But it is a thought. It is something to think about because the people of God aren't... I mean, I believe there's death when people lie to the Holy Spirit, but they don't just collapse and fall dead right there. If they did, every Sunday there'd be churches full of dead folk, funerals. Mother wouldn't be enough. Y'all know what I'm saying? There's something to that, so I'll let the scholars take it and run with it. So in verse 14, though, he says, And the grace of our Lord, now he's talking about what happened to him. I was a blasphemer. Man, I wanted to hurt the people of God. And I did hurt them. I watched them being killed and hoorayed and, and I put them in prison and hoorayed and now we're getting these Christians, those that are of the way, out of our way. And he did all that in the name of the Lord because he thought he was doing the will of God. But when he met Jesus and he surrendered to Jesus, he says here, and the grace of our Lord was exceeding abundant and look what it brought with it. With faith and love, which is in Christ Jesus. In Christ Jesus. Listen, if faith and love and everything I need is in Christ Jesus, I better set out on a journey, my friends, to find out what it means in Christ Jesus. Because it's the only place where grace comes from and grace initially brought me love and faith. Faith and love. And we'll talk about that for a minute. And, and, and it's not being talked about near enough. We've, we've got Bibles that uh, change Galatians 2 and 20 to mean something other than what it says. Let's turn over there. Galatians 2 and 20 uh, says this. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. This is the Apostle Paul. He doesn't say I was. He says I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, right here in this body, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Now, most of your translations probably say by faith in. I have a note here in this Bible I use, and I touch the note, and it says by faith in. But that's not what the Scripture says. We live by the faith of the Son of God. It's talking about his faith and what he did for us by grace through faith because it goes on to explain what he did. Everybody get that? I don't talk about this enough. 
It explains what he did by faith. He loved us and he gave himself for us. How did he do that? By grace, Hebrews 2, 9, through faith. Jesus had to live by faith. He humbled himself and became obedient even unto the death on the cross. That is by grace to taste death for us all through faith. He has to be the author of our faith and all grace and the finisher of our faith and all grace. Are we okay this morning? You, you, that's why most translations, and I understand when we read this, we do live by faith in Christ, but what the Bible calls it in Romans 10 and 10 is that we just believe with the heart unto His righteous word. Romans 10 and 10. That's another Bible verse that we've taken to only refer to those who were being born again initially. But that's not true. For you and I, Christians who've been Christians, let's say 40, 60 years, for us to walk today with Christ, our hearts must continue to believe under righteousness. His righteous work. What about the Word of God? I'm glad you brought that up. That all of God's words are in righteousness. Proverbs 8 and 8. Every word God has ever spoken is in righteousness. And His righteousness is only revealed by truth. Proverbs 12, 17. Which is the gospel. Romans 1, 16 and 17 says that His righteousness is revealed in the gospel from faith to faith. What's being revealed? In more than just my initial faith, but from faith to faith to faith, is the righteousness of God is being revealed in the gospel. That means if all God's words are in righteousness, then I must view the entirety of God's word in light of the one who said he is the light and what he did at Calvary to become my light. The gospel, the cross. And somebody said, glory to God, hallelujah. <laughs> Glory to God, this is good stuff. This is, this is where the power of God is at. Not in hooping and hollering, and I praise God for the hooping and the hollering and swinging from chandeliers if your faith is in the cross. If it's not that that's got you hooping and hollering, then it's just our flesh and not God. If it's not truth that moves us in the way of righteousness, then it's just our flesh, emotions, and feelings moving us. And I know I say negative things about emotions and feelings, and there's nothing negative about them at all. God gave them to us unless we're living according to them. Mm -hmm. right. And we'll know if we are on a beautiful sunny day where we feel good, we'll just praise God. But on a day where the sun hadn't shined in a week and we're not feeling that good, well, we just won't praise God at all because we're living by how we feel. Amen. We change our view of God based on whether the sun's shining or not. No, he's, he's worthy to be praised and worshipped on a cloudy day or on a sunny day. Come on now. Hallelujah. So, let's go back now where we were. 1 Timothy, he, in verse 14, chapter 1, verse 14, And the grace of our Lord was exceeding abundant with what? What? With faith, well, I thought faith had to come before grace was given. Again, that's our hearts, not this thing pumping blood in our body, but who we are from our innermost being, the, the centermost part of who I am. I, I give you my heart, Lord. I trust in what you did for me at Calvary to save me from my sin, to give me this grace, to, to give me this love and this faith. This faith is even in Christ Jesus. Faith and love is in Christ Jesus. And when with my heart, all that I, Lord, I'm trusted in what you've done for me at Calvary. I, I thank God I can praise you and worship you, but I'm not trusting in my praise and worship. I thank God that he's blessed me and I can come to the house of God and give offerings and sow into different places where it's fertile ground. But my faith is not in that. I'm no longer buying books that tell me if I'll do these five things that, that, that I'll be closer. If I do these five things, 
I'll find deliverance. If I do these five things, now I'll be able to uh, uh, walk with God or bear the fruits of righteousness. No, I'm burning those books. Uh, I'm, I'm being moved away further and further from ministers who, who've heard this message and refuse to preach this message with their deceptive uh, excuses they give because they don't have it. They don't see it. They just have a few words that somebody else preaches. Come on now. When you get this, you'll preach this. When you see the cross really is the answer for every dilemma, every situation, all sin, all forgiveness, all deliverance, and all grace to function in God's will, then you will open God's Word and point to the living Word and what He did at Calvary. Glory to God. It, it can't be that narrow, Brother Curtis. Oh, it's so narrow. Jesus said few will find it. And Peter wrote that it be better that you never knew the way of righteousness than having known it and turn away from it. That's what Peter wrote. That's what you call, I know, but I'm ignoring it now. I'd rather go the way, this way and that way. And I'm going to keep trusting in the denominational heads and what they say. You know, by the way, they wouldn't be in that position if God didn't put them there. Can I tell you, God didn't put them there? God, if they're not preaching the cross, God hadn't put anybody there to lead anybody anywhere. Because the message of the cross is the only thing that gets us out of sin, keeps us out of sin and on the right path. And if you can't stand the narrowness of that, you'll start throwing rocks at those who are preaching the truth. Amen, Brother Curtis. All right. Let's try now. Verse 14 again. May not get past this today. The grace of our Lord was exceeding abundant. It exceeded abundance. See, God's not just the, the God of abundance. He's the God who exceeds abundance. And He wants to show you that. He wants to show you that. And He can show you that if you'll cling to Christ and what He did at Calvary. Then He will begin to illuminate the Word of God. It will then become a lamp to your path. And a uh, to your feet and a lot to your path. It'll be more than words we quote to try to feel good, sound good, look good. It'll be words that He's engrafting in our heart. The Holy Spirit cannot engraft God's Word, engrave God's Word into our heart unless we are accepting it as it is truth in righteousness. Amen, Brother Curtis. There are a lot of people out there throwing rocks at us. A lot of people out there disagreeing with us. But they, they never bring Scripture to the table when they just start talking. They just talk behind the scenes and the curtains because they're trying to build their own ministries and it will never work. Even if it has big numbers and lots of money, that thing, that thing deceives people today. Big numbers and lots of people, that's a deception. Message of the cross will never draw the big crowds. The preachers of the cross will never have the big crowds and, and the most money. They will always be that which appears to be weak because it is weak and it is God showing His strength on their behalf. And they experience that and those of like precious faith experience that. But those who do not and are not walking in this like precious faith, which is faith in the cross, that which we've obtained through the righteousness of God, 2 Peter 1 and 1, will always look at us as though we're weak and drab. The cloak of humility is drab to most of the church. I said the cloak of humility is drab to most of the church, but it is where the abundance of grace and the exceeding abundance of grace is experienced. Remember, the cross appeared like what a pitiful sight. And we esteemed him stricken of God. He must be a sinner. Oh, he, he's missed it. Whatever power he did have, he no longer has. That's the way this walk in which we walk appears to the religious church. There's more than that, they said. If this would have been God, there's more than that. That's what they say about the message of the cross today. There's more than that. Hallelujah. But they'll never have that exceeding abundant grace while they're declaring there's more than the cross. It's only when they humble themselves by faith in the cross that they will have and be able to walk in that faith and that love. Because that faith and that love is only experienced in Christ. 
in Christ. And you might say, well, I'm in Christ. Praise God, if you're a Christian, you are in Christ in, in position, but is your condition, are you walking in Him? Because the only way the Bible says we can walk in Him and have the experience of this faith and love which is in Him is if we keep our faith in what it was in when we were placed in Him, Colossians 2 and 6. As you have received the Lord Jesus Christ, like so, walk ye in Him. And you were immersed into his death, Romans 6, 3. And the only way that God sees us in our condition as walking in him is if our faith remains in what it was that caused our faith to be legitimate when we saw what Jesus did by grace through faith. That alone, outside of that, there is no abundance of grace. And God doesn't uh, uh, sometimes go ahead and give us grace anyway. When we're rejecting the message of the cross as the answer for every sin and all grace in our lives, listen, if it's not the cross we're trusting in, God is resisting that pride. God is resisting that. I don't care how many tears we cry and how much we crawl on the floor and beg God and put on some demonstration like we're really hungry and we really need a move of God. The move of God took place at Calvary 2,000 years ago and will only flow from that into our lives today because it's only in Christ we find the grace that is exceeding abundant and when we find that grace, we also find faith and love because all that is in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Verse 15 goes on to say, This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation. Now look, you see the apostles' authority there. This is a faithful saying and worthy that everybody accepts this. Paul not saying he's worthy. He's saying what he's about to say is a faithful saying. And when you see the word faithful, that means when anything about faith means this is what pleases God. Because he's not pleased outside of faith. Can't be pleased without faith. And that's the faith of the Son of God. This is a faithful saying. And worthy enough that you all accept it. That Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. That's a worthy saying. Yeah. And Paul goes on to say in his realization of his pitifulness without the Lord. And his state in which God found him in. Christ found him in as the chiefest of sinners. Paul says of whom I am chief. I am the chief sinner. And we ought to all feel that way when we get a recollection, recollect, when we get a revelation of, of what sin is. And it's not just the guy who went out and murdered, or the woman who's killed babies, aborted babies, or the drug addict who's, uh, or the drug dealer who sold drugs and watched people die because he sold it to them, or, or the, the perverts who are molesting. Uh, I don't care what it is, even if you're, you've been raised up in church and you never experienced the horror of all that depth of sin, you're still a guilty sinner and on your way to hell. You're a filthy rag in the eyes of God until you come to Christ. Right. So it don't matter how far out on the limb of sin you crawled or if you never crawled out to the depths of sin that you hear <clears throat> testimonies of, of some, you're still an ugly, lost, black, darkened, worldly, lost sinner. And when you recognize that, you, you will admit, I'm the worst of sinners. You, you, you'll stop saying, well, at least I ain't as bad as them. Because that right there will get you in trouble. At least I'm not as bad as them. You know what you're really saying? At least I'm better than them. That's what we're really saying. When we say, I'm not as bad as them, we're, God hears that coming from a heart that's saying to Him, well, I'm better than them. Ain't nobody better than anybody. Some have lived in ways that have an appearance of better than others, but evil is evil. Right. 
Doesn't matter how far out. Sure, the consequences of horrifying sinful actions come with horrifying results. But nevertheless, the man who's killed 40 people, the woman who's aborted 20 babies, the man who's molested 40 children, the, 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 whatever it may be, just as the person who's never done any of that, who lived a, uh, what appeared to be a good life, even went to church, but he never accepted Christ as Savior, they're all going to hell forever. Think about that. We're all, listen, when we get a revelation of what it took God to get us saved, the giving of His only begotten Son, heaven's treasure, giving that up because of a love for you while we were hating Him, we will see, my Lord, we're sinners. God had to do that to deliver me from sin. To forgive my sins, He had to give His own Son. And we will make the same declaration. I have done evil. I am wicked. I, I mean, the Bible says I was darkness before I became the light in Christ. And I must believe that. Even when I thought I was doing good and, and putting on a good show when I was lost, it was all evil in the eyes of God. Even though men would say, that's a good deed you just done. But it was evil deed in the eyes of God because it was what we were doing in a lost state. And that's unrighteousness. And it, God, the Bible says, His wrath is revealed from heaven against all unrighteousness and ungodliness. Everybody all right this morning? That's just the truth. It's a faithful saying, he said, that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. We're all sinners. Of whom I am chief. Verse 16. Howbeit for this cause. Now watch this. This is another powerful scripture here. Howbeit for this cause. I obtained mercy. That in me first. Jesus Christ might show forth all long suffering. For a pattern. You see that? For a pattern, a picture, something men could look at to see the long-suffering of God that even though Paul was killing uh, Christians, mamas, daddies, babies, putting them in prison and, and, and shouting, Hallelujah, praise God, when he, was, when he was actually responsible for hurting. He was injurious, he calls it, to the people of God. He was doing it all in the name of God, but he was doing it in unbelief through ignorance and when Christ revealed himself to him he, he believed in him and he received, he obtained mercy, he says here so that in me first Jesus Christ might show forth all long suffering for a pattern a pattern to them which should hereafter believe on him to life everlasting and this goes back to what I was saying earlier about the apostles having the authority to say such a thing as this. Now, most people, uh, no, I don't say most, no, it's not most, but there are a few people on the preachers today and saints who don't see Paul as having the authority quite that he gave himself. And it was the same problem he had when he was on the earth and in, in, experiencing the call of God on his life. That's why he would have to sometimes write about Jesus Christ is the one who put me in the ministry. I'm an apostle of Jesus Christ, not by men, because people were attacking him constantly. If I can, that's what the devil does. He's the accuser of the brethren. If I can get them to doubt if I can get the people to doubt that God really has called him, then they will doubt what he's trying to say is God's word and this what he's teaching. They will doubt that too. And we can't do that. He says here, he says here that in him first, in, in, in him first, Jesus Christ might show all long suffering. And this is what he's talking about being a pattern. If God saved me, he will save anybody. That's the pattern. All long-suffering is what he's saying here. The pattern is that God saved me, the most vilest sinner, the chief of all sinners. I was putting God's people in jail and uh, uh, rejoicing when they were killed and, and might have even been responsible for killing them. I'm not sure about that, but if you're rejoiced, rejoicing in killing God's people, in God's eyes, you're guilty of killing God's people. Think about what the Lord Jesus Christ said to Saul before he became the Apostle Paul on the road to Damascus. He said, why are you persecuting me? 
He didn't say, why are you doing this to my people? Jesus said, why are you persecuting me? Because Jesus sees himself as being one with us. We're in him. He's in us. And we're in the Father. Think about that. Now, he says, I am a pattern to them which should hereafter believe on him to life everlasting. I'm a pattern. <clears throat> what is this about? We've said it. <clears throat> that in me first, Jesus Christ might show forth all long suffering. Paul here is saying this. Let me say it in a better way. The Lord is saying through this what he gave Paul to say to us is that there is no thing such as being too lost or too buried up in sin or have committed too much sin for God to be able to save you. The same grace that abounded exceedingly for Paul, God is waiting to pour that same uh, uh, exceeding abundant grace out on you. If you will just quit looking at your guilt and you, you have to see that and know that. And some people are so buried up in it, God could never forgive me. But he gave the authority to Paul and spoke through Paul to tell you, I've made Paul the pattern. If I saved his old sorry soul and made him mine and I used him to even do what I used him to do and it was profound. He gave him the revelation of the cross, gave the church all the, 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 the prescribed order for, for victory according to the cross. He gave, he gave through Paul the order and the structure of the church and how the church needs to operate through the gifts of the Spirit, what they were, how they, all that information through this one that used to hate this one called Jesus and this people of his way. And Paul here, God here is saying through Paul, you hadn't done evil so bad that you can't be saved. If I save Paul, I'll save anybody. He's the pattern I gave that no matter what you've done, even though you've been out there proclaiming the word of God, but in the false context. You've been preaching, but you hadn't been preaching the cross. You've been preaching all this heresy. But if you'll repent, and just come to faith in Christ and His work at Calvary alone. There will be an abundant measure of grace, an exceeding abundant measure of grace begin to pour out in your life. Think about that. We don't worship Paul. Paul's just a servant of God like we are. But Paul was called as an apostle and given the information, let me say it this way, the truth that we need as Gentiles and Jews to be able to walk in victory and experience the grace, the faith, and the love which the Bible says is in Christ Jesus. So hear me this morning as I make this profound and alarming statement. Because the Bible says the only way to walk in Him is through our faith being in what placed us in Him, Colossians 2 and 6. And if our faith is not in the cross, we may be, we may have a great appearance of godliness, of form, but we're without the power. If we're not walking in Christ through faith right now, my, my, my trust today from who I am in my innermost being is trust in Christ and His work at Calvary for everything I need. If that's not the case, my friend, I'm not walking in Christ. And if I'm not walking in Christ, what I'm calling faith is not faith. This confirms that if my faith is not in the cross then my faith cannot be in the Word of God. If my faith, if I'm not trusting in what Christ did for me at Calvary, then the Word of God can have no bearing on my life. Because the result of all faith is righteousness. Whether it be the initial status of me being righteous, made a servant of righteousness, or me walking in Him, being able to bear forth His fruits of righteousness. If I'm not walking in Him, I'm not experiencing grace, faith, or love. And something that came out in the message Wednesday night was that we're told by this apostle, by the Lord through this apostle, that our love should be abounding in knowledge and all judgment so that we can discern the things that excel 
and so that we can be sincere and without offense until the day of Christ. And what came out in the message Wednesday night, according to the scriptures, is Jesus taught that in the last days, love will wax cold. That means it will grow cold because iniquity is abounding. So you and I, upon hearing the message of the cross from some little nobody out in the middle of two pine trees who doesn't have a big this and a big that and a big title, if that's what you're looking for, you're going to miss out on everything. Better be looking for the truth. Not just saying we need the truth. You better find out who and what the truth is and begin to believe it and begin to minister that. Either our love is abounding and iniquity is not through faith in the cross alone. Or iniquity is abounding and our love is waxing cold, growing dim. One of the two. One causes the other to be void and not able to happen. When, love, when God's love is abounding through the knowledge of Christ and in all judgment. That means, Kathy, you, you show up today and you treat me ugly. I know you never would, not unless I did something. She'd never treat me ugly. But if she did, I'd have to make a proper judgment about that. Not that, bless God, she didn't have a right to say that to me, treat me that way. No, my proper judgment would be that according uh, that according to what I'm... She must be struggling. She must be hurting. I know that she wouldn't do that. She's going through something. And my judgment is based on my knowledge of God's Word in righteousness because all judgment must be righteous judgment. And then I can keep loving her even though she said this to me, even though she did this to me, even though she... Blah, 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 blah. If I make the right... If I'm according to the knowledge of Christ, remember we're told to grow in His knowledge and His grace. And if that's what I'm growing in, then iniquity won't be allowed to come in and rule and cause me to hate her back, do ugly to her back. Anybody know what I'm talking about this morning? Yeah. But we are confronted with those times. We're confronted with those situations. And my friend, either love will abound or iniquity will abound. And when we begin to allow iniquity to abound through our trust in anything other than what God did to manifest that love toward us and to shed that love abroad in our heart for us at Calvary, then we're going to be in trouble. We're going to be in trouble. And here's what's happening right now in the church. These preachers, these ministers, they're hearing this message. And hopefully some of them will... As Paul did, later they'll repent and get involved in, in the true move of God. But until that happens, they're just, they're just going to stay in their struggles and, 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 and say negative things about those who are preaching this gospel. That really didn't come out the way I wanted to say it. I had something there. I pray the Lord give it back to me. <laughs> I let it slip away, but this message is what saves the lost and teaches the saved to live saved. And when our faith is not in Christ, and in Christ, I'm not talking about 40 years ago when we got saved. I'm talking about today. Now faith is. And when our faith is in Christ and what He did at Calvary, I'm not saying that we say it is. Well, you know it is. I'm talking about when we open God's Word and allow the Holy Spirit to teach us the wonderful righteousness of God through what Christ did at Calvary because that's what the Bible is about, my friend. It's all God's words in righteousness that will cause us to point and point us to the place where Christ died for us and to trust in that alone. And if, and if we're not preaching this message at all times, and I mean at all times, then we're listen. Here's what this is. This is what I was going to say. This is what they're doing. They start moving in this mode where they just start talking about love all the time. 
See, that's how the enemy works. He just They won't preach the cross. They, they just need to get away. Man, they just too much about the cross. They need to be preaching the love of God. That's what, that's what happens when iniquity is abounding, and it does every time we refuse to trust in the cross and to preach God's Word outside of that context. Iniquity is gaining ground. So we have to start talking about love more. And we leave the cross out. We're not talking about the love of God. We talk about the love in feelings, the love in emotions, that love will truly affect those things, but also a false love and a false hope will affect those things too. So if I'm not going to uh, be determined to know nothing else, I've got to start talking about love all the time. While it's waxing cold, I'm, I'm, I'm losing ground in this avenue of love. I, I want to talk about God's love. I want to talk about how much He loves me, how much He loves you. But if I'm not pointing them to Calvary, love is waxing cold. The heart is desperately wicked and deceitful above all the deception in the world. The heart is the greatest place of deception because that's where it takes place. Because with my heart today again, I will believe unto righteousness the work of Christ at Calvary and experience God's grace abounding, that faith and that love that's only found in Christ, or I will just forget that, say I already know all that, and I'll just keep talking about love. Because if, let me tell you something, when love's waxing cold, I'm going to start talking about love. Because i got to make it appear. Oh, that I love. Oh, we're just a people of love. If we're a people of love, the only place... Let me, let me tell you something as we're about to close. The only love that abounds is that first love. The only love that abounds in knowledge and in all judgment that allows us to discern and approve those things that excel and to keep our faith sincere and without offense till the appearance of Christ, till He comes for us, is the gospel. That's the only thing. If I'm not trusting in that every day, then I'm being moved away. I'm being moved away. Now think about that. The first love is the only love that abounds. That's why the Lord Jesus told John to write to the church in Ephesus and say, you've fallen from your first love. It's so serious. If you don't get back to that first love, I'm going to take your light away. Now hear me today. Our first love is that love that God put in our hearts when we trusted with our, from our heart, that work of righteousness at Christ at Calvary. For that is the truth that liberated us. That truth, Jesus and Him crucified, is the truth that true love rejoices in. 1 Corinthians 13, 6. Write it down, make a note. Love rejoices not in iniquity, but in truth. Love rejoices in truth. And the only truth love rejoices in is that, that truth that saved, that first love. Think about it. Man, I'm, I'm telling you some stuff this morning. I hope you're taking notes. I hope you're writing this down. This truth will bring you out of where you are, will move you along this path. Or possibly if you're off the way by listening to what's false, bring you back to the path and, and God will then use His Word to confirm daily that you're on the path of righteousness. The only love that abounds is that first love because there it rejoiced in the truth. The truth. Well, all of God's Word is truth. But the Bible says, when truth is spoken, righteousness is revealed. That's right, Proverbs 12, 17. He that speaks truth shows forth righteousness. And the only path and avenue of righteousness is that through which Jesus died, gave us in His death at Calvary. 
It's not because of that 2,000 years ago, now there's some other avenue. No, it's because of that and only through that which God still communes with His people and gives them the exceeding abundant grace, faith, and love that we need daily to keep walking in Him. My goodness, this has been good. Amen. Can you believe we got to wait another week to come back and hear another session? This is truth. This is God's Word that will brighten your path, save your soul, and give you liberty to be able to run this race. I pray that you've been blessed today. I pray that you would receive and experience this exceptional, this exceeding, abundant grace, faith, and love that's in Christ Jesus for you, your family, and wherever you're at and you're not hearing the truth, you're not hearing God's Word in righteousness. Whoever you're listening to, you're wasting time. Therefore, you're not redeeming the time. Let me say that again. When we're not hearing the Word preached and taught in this context, we're not redeeming time. We're wasting time. Let us become redeemers of the time a brighter light and a greater taste of salt in the earth today. We love you. I pray that you would pray for us. And again, you can sow into this ministry, which I guarantee God will pour into your life even greater if you do. If you sow into fertile ground, you can do that at the website, thecrosswaychurch.com or 903-231-5950 and share this truth with the world. Help us publish the Word of God. Love you. Till next time, stay determined to know absolutely nothing but Christ and Him crucified. See you then.